You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Dominic D'Angelo. It looks like I'm in witness protection this week, but I am not. I am at my hometown in Ridgeway, Pennsylvania. But I am also here on the Premier Streaming Network, and I'm happy to be here yet again with Mr. Rob Van Dam. Mr. Monday Night. We're recording on Thursday night. But Rob, good to see you again, man. Right on, dude. Good to be me. So you you telling me that's the way they dress in Ridgeway? That's That's Oh, yeah. Bohunk. Total Bohunk. That's your excuse. Yeah, that's my excuse. <laughs> Pencil Tucky. This is the Pencil Tucky line we got going on right now. So, cool. <laughs> yeah. Welcome home, bro. Hey, thanks, man. It's good to be back. It's a small town, middle of nowhere. Can't tw- two and a half hours away from Pittsburgh, two and a half hours away from Erie. I don't know if ECW's gonna been up this way. They might have been. I know WWE was back here or in the mid '90s, but that was it. So, oh, no. don't know. But cool, man. Uh, yeah, it's been a pretty interesting. Uh, How's, how's everything been with you? Anything else new happening outside of wrestling for you? Or what's been outside your weekend? Outside of uh, wrestling? Um, some acting gigs thrown on the table that um, are being discussed. Um, working uh, working on some, uh, some stuff around the house, feeling... What day is it? Oh, you know what? I forgot I'm doing stand-up Saturday. No shit, really? Uh, oh. It's, yeah, I'll wait till Friday um, or Saturday, and then I'll write like a 10-minute set and go up and do it. It's a, it's a place called Wise Guys. Hopefully, they got mafia pictures and stuff in there, you know. In uh, Vegas, I take it? Yeah, yeah. So, it's in the art district. It's a, it's an actual theater, not like a, a bar where people aren't going to be paying attention and um but it's cool. I haven't been inside, I don't think. So looking forward to checking the venue out, and uh, should be fun. But I, I, I have a, a lot going on on my mind, um, and it, it's that's how stress affects me. Is just like I, I start getting like short term, you know, like wait, what day is this? I've done that so many times today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to make sure not miss garbage today because it'll be the third week <laughs> in a row. <laughs> And the garbage just smells so bad that it's out in the driveway. Right. It's just like piling on up. <laughs> sometimes I miss it. Sometimes it's because we're traveling and stuff, um, sure, you know, yeah. that, that I miss that. But um, but anyway, yeah, got some other stuff that I won't be able to tell you about until, uh, until it's settled. But uh, it involves 
giving a uh, deposition uh, coming up, and it weighs it weighs on my mind because someone's trying to extort me. No shit, holy. We'll smokes. talk about that when I can. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Now, when it comes to like stuff like stand-up comedy or anything like filming or anything like that, do you kind of get like the actor's nightmare thing going on? Does that happen to you? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. So the actor's nightmare is when you have a dream and like it's this consistent thing of like, oh, you have a show coming up and you don't know any of your lines or you don't know anything coming up. And like it's like literally like you're about to go on stage and stuff like that. Or it's like just the day before or something like that. Do you ever have those kind of dreams that were like coming up? when you have like a big show, whether it was wrestling or anything else where it's just like, it's also my real life though. I mean, those are my, yeah. uh, those are my, I'm not just, I'm not just dreaming. That's always, that shit's like, real, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, damn, I didn't go over my parts yet. And I got, you know, man, maybe I can do it while I'm in wardrobe changing, you know, let me look at my lines and for the first time and I suck. Um, but yeah, same thing with stand up. Sometimes I'm on stage and uh, once in a while, I'll just blank and completely forget what I was gonna say, and then I'm, and then a joke might pop in my head. And I'm like, oh man, why that one? I don't want to have to go to that. That one's old. I, I'm sick of that one. Like, what, what was I gonna say? Then I'm like, well, I better come up with something quick here. You know, <laughs> people are starting to stare. <laughs> now, did wrestling kind of help you with that too? Like when you're being on stage and that, and like kind of relying on yourself to, you know, whether it cut a promo or just being put on the spot at a public appearance or something like that. When you do. Yeah. 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 And overall it's just experience and experience makes you more comfortable to commit. That's what it is. That's why it's so hard at first because you can't, it's hard to commit to feelings and commit to decisions, you know, that you got to make. And uh, even in articulating things, you know, but it, it, that's what it is mostly. And then uh, being comfortable is is key. That's everything. So when I go out in front of the crowd, I mean, it's like there's, you know, there's no reason that for me to, uh, to to be all tense and nervous. It's like it's just we're all in a room here, you know. Right. It's second nature to you at this point, too, when you're doing all this kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Although when I'm not um, entertaining, then uh, – then I'm the quiet guy. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I, I. I. You know, if I'm doing stand up, it's because I'm going to prepare a set that I think is funny in my head, and then I'm going to want to deliver it and get that gratification. You know that I visualized and uh, get that message out there and 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 say what I want to say. Um, and if it's wrestling, you know, kind of same thing on a different level. But if you know, if it's me and you and uh, we're in the bar. If people aren't recognizing me and making a big deal about me being there, you know, my head's down. Uh, I'm happy to be there, but there's no part of me that says, Hey, I need everyone's attention right now. Right. I don't even get out on the dance floor. Like I don't even, I don't even understand how dancing is supposed to be fun, but that's, that's like a whole nother subject probably. But, but, but for me, it would, it would, it would, it seems like it would be about trying to get attention or have people, Look at me. I don't know, dude. It's a it's a different animal. I need a couple of me to start. Uh, I drive basic cars. Always have. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I it's I get enough attention, you know, as a, as my job. So when I'm not uh, working, then I'm off. 
Yeah, right? That's your downtime kind of thing. Unless you need me, you know, to give you a eulogy or something like that. But. Right, right. You get those on Cameo, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we got some good feedback here this week. And you've seen some of it, I'm sure, because I saw some of your comments on YouTube. Is that um, where you get all the feedback from? That's where I get a lot of the feedback from is from our YouTube, your YouTube page. Is that. And then where else? Does Premiere have a place for comments? Or? So I looked. They do not have a, play, a comment. Okay. So be interesting to kind of see um, how else. I'll have to try to look at maybe like iTunes. I haven't really looked at iTunes in the comment section or anything. Like, I don't. I know they don't have comment section. I know they do the ratings though. And maybe they have something there for that. But um, oh, and this week too, I forgot. I have them screenshotted, so I can just post them right up on here. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so this was a cool one. Justin Justice Force says, if RVD put out a book on his flexibility routine, I'd buy it. Have you ever kind of thought about doing like a workout book or something like that? Yeah, of course, of course, I have over the years. Um, more like a video, but I, I have floated around a few different platforms in my head of trying to really explain what I'm doing and what's going on inside my head and body when I stretch and in like. I mean, I'm sure it's been at least 20 years uh, since I've wanted to do that, and I have never found a way yet to actually explain it. You know, and, I, and I've tried. I've, I've over the years, I've shot different. Uh, I've had camera crews, and I've shot like by the ocean, and I filmed my routine a few times. You know, and um, for a demo or something. Um, most notable. <clears throat> Because uh, when I was stretching way back in 96, well, I'm sorry, in 92, December 92 to May 93, I was in WCW, and uh, a gentleman saw me stretching. Of course, I'm always the only one that really stretches hard in the dressing room, you know, and, and, he, and he noticed, you know, that I wasn't getting, that I wasn't getting hurt taking all these bumps, and, uh, and he said, there must be something to stretching, so he started stretching, and and then uh, made an entire uh, empire out of uh, DDP yoga. Whoa. So how about that? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, so DDP was going to um, distribute my stretch video, if I could put it together. I went to his production studios in Atlanta. Man, sometimes years fly by. So I'm, I'm going to guess this might have been 10 years ago. I don't know. Um <laughs> And um, how do you know? How do you know well, when I do that? Because <laughs> I started doing DDP yoga back in two, 10 years ago. So I'm like, yeah, well, he, he'd been around for a while. Uh, matter of fact, he'd already been on Shark Tank. Um, but anyway, for um, uh, it was before Katie, and she's been like seven years already. So probably about that. But I went to his uh, production studios for this. Oh, I know. It was when I broke my foot. That was in 2016. Oh, okay. Matter of fact, um, so seven years ago or so. Okay, yeah, how about yes. that? <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> Me too. I tried to put Stevie Richards through my stretch routine. Did you? Yeah, and it was just going to be like a, a practice, you know, like him, and, uh, DDP, and, and his partner, um, you know, Alex. They were trying to tell me about. Uh, you know, to get used to it, you know, and I, and I figured too, like maybe if I could like instruct a class through it and stuff, but it's so, it's so like, 
it's it's a contrast to even talk while I'm doing it. And so for that, that's a big problem. So I'd have to add the audio separately. And I thought about just showing me going through the whole thing, maybe adding some CGI graphics to show which muscles I'm working on when I'm talking and add the audio later. And that's what I had in mind at that time. Uh, But I got to say, man, with positioning and uh, direction and where to lean your weight and how to breathe and which muscles to flex to use as your spotter and which muscles to relax to you know so that you can thereby stretch them uh, with your weight and then little turns and then little leans and you know and then there's there's so much going on and even to get your muscle to relax when you're trying to stretch takes a long time because your muscle wants to contract and protect itself when you're trying to elongate it anyway dude i i've i've decided it might not happen it might just be something for me i don't know yeah it's i mean you know all the details about it so it's like just like weed man i don't necessarily need to profit on weed man i just want it to be free right yeah (laughs) more accessible for people who want it need it well so in your routine and, and typical is it something that could be applicable to anybody too like of any kind of you know, obviously without some certain physical limitations, but like could, well, could somebody that wants to get back in shape be like, oh, I could apply this in certain ways, almost like what DDP does. You know? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how DDP even does it because I, I would have thought that things like arthritis would limit you because of your range of motion, um, not, not just the bone spurs and pain that come along with it, but um, like, you know, during his movie when he – resurrected Jake the Snake, he worked through that, you know, and I was talking to him about that, and he's kind of got me convinced that you can stretch and really work on arthritis and grind it up even, and, uh, you know, if it's, like, blocking your your range, and so I think, man, I think he's kind of proven it by what he's done, so, you know, I would say, hey, go go check that other guy's stuff out. If, you know, I mean, I mind, you know, stretch it for me is about flexibility. It's about being at my full range, my mo- mo- mobility, being at my also knowing my body, my mind body connection to that level to where, um, you know, I've gone through it in several positions from head to toe um checking back and forth you know that's a that's it it's a spiritual thing as well but ddp man even that first guy that he got that was so heavy you know where knee knee arthur. braces yeah, yeah arthur mm-hmm. but then yeah after a while he's running sprints and standing on his head and i can't do that no no right right huh? no i i was a happy customer i i love the DP yoga program and DP why it's now called, but yes, yeah, it was great. I I got in the best shape of my life like ten years ago when I did that. So gotta pick it back. That's awesome. Yeah, when when I was there, uh, I went through his class, you know, with him instructing, and he had no mercy on me. I just broken my foot, and he didn't care. Like we're doing planks, and I'm, you know, after a while, I was kind of cheating and kind of like being on one knee or something, and uh, you know, and he's on the microphone in front of everyone. Rob, let's go get up on them toes. Come on, bro. <laughs> like, damn, he, he wants me to work right through it right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> just broke it the day before, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot of wrestlers that do it, though. I know, um, Yeah. Uh, you know, Jericho. Uh, who else? There's been plenty. Darby Allen. A lot of guys go through there. Braun Breaker, Drew McIntyre, a whole bunch of people. We, we love DDP. He's a fitness guru, and he's helped a lot of people. You know, he's helping Scotty Riggs right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Uh, and, hey, we got to comment on him this week, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, big fan of Scotty Riggs, says James XX4KB. Thought he was underutilized as a talent, but always enjoyed his work. I agree. Like It was cool to see him in the flock as a member, but I was like, I want to see a little bit more, Scotty. As a kid, I was just like, that's all I knew him as. So it was pretty neat. To uh, that, was one thing, that was one thing that was cool about ECW is I was able to have some singles match with, matches with some guys and really pull out – what I'd like to think are some of their best matches, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We got a good one this week too, by the way. Uh, Jerry Lynn, by the way, was one of those that kept going, but yeah, he yeah. could have been a very short match, and, and and you know, and instead, we we pulled out what we could out of each other. Oh man, I'm feeling some synchronicity here this week, bro. Feeling it, feeling it. All right, and also, so this is Dan Master's brother that message on uh, YouTube. He said, "Oh, cool, brother." Thank you for all the kind words. Brings back so many memories. He loved y'all and the business. I'm sure he's looking down smiling. So, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yep. And then, Rob, one of the ones that got a lot of comments and that you kind of engaged with, too, was um, on the anger video of RVD. Um, and so uh, I took a short one here, but somebody wrote out a huge, huge letter about it. Uh, so SJ Good Goodies, <laughs> 6590. Rob, you make so much sense. Anger is so exhausting. It's such a waste of energy. I'm working on it. Your podcast is the best. You said thank yeah. you. Yeah, there was a lot of good, uh, well, for us, a lot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, was, we're, we're, we're moving. We're moving. It was pairs and pairs of comments. that. Uh, right, pairs and pairs. <laughs> um But, yeah, they were, all, they were all good. You know, they were all appreciative of uh, – the talk on anger, so that felt very, uh, very good, very uh, um, validating. Absolutely, man, it's been good stuff. It's cool to see like how many people are, and like yeah, just the select comments too. It's just like seeing all those already. It's like you're making an impact on people. So pretty damn sweet, man. Yes, sir. Uh, cool. Yep. Well, I gotta ask the the weekly question here. Did you watch any wrestling this week? Didn't didn't watch any wrestling this week. No, no problem about that. Um, I barely did too. I actually caught up on AJW Collision after a while, but that was it. Um, oh, what I wanted to do too. Some part of the feedback. Somebody, a lot of people, have been commenting on the Mike Awesome video too, and they've had their kind of like, ooh, like I would love to have seen Rob mix it up with this person and this person. And there's like a whole list of people I, I wrote down. I'm only gonna do one. This I think maybe throughout the weeks here. Maybe I'll just pop a name up. And see how you think you would work with this person if it ever ended up uh, coming to be. Uh, so somebody in the comments on the Mike Awesome video said, uh, "I'll start with Bret Hart. How would you think he would have worked with Bret Hart if you guys uh, ended up mixing it up together?" So I I love Bret, mm -hmm. and in my opinion, he's definitely one of the very 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 best if not the best, arguably maybe the best that I've seen. Um, but I also know that he prides himself for never hurting anybody. 
in the business. Yeah. I don't really have that same claim. Shut up, doggies. <laughs> Shut up. PTN. Making a run in. Barbie's the one usually barking. Um, I don't have that same claim. You know, I've actually heard a lot of people. I was, and I'm not proud of that. Um, but as proud as Brett is of, of uh, enough to say that, he probably wouldn't like being kicked by me. You know, yeah. maybe. I mean, I don't know. I I got trained very snug, and then got went to Japan and got trained to be even snugger. You know, um, and and so, you know, a lot of people say that um that I that they don't find me excessive at all during our matches uh but and, and i would be on my very best behavior with the hitman you know what i mean for sure out of respect but i just i just don't know that you know he wouldn't be like wow <laughs> you guys could tell a good ring psychology story though i know that much yeah able to handle that out yeah Rick's the same way, by the way. Flair, you know, he says that he's never hurt anybody. I heard that claim uh, sometime. And, uh, you know, whenever I'm in the ring with him, he makes a huge deal about it. He's like, <laughs> he, acts, he acts like I'm a sledgehammer. Um, and, and we always joke about it, you know. That, um, you know, that um, that really big black dude that's on Monday Night Raw's, the really tall one? Almost. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, at WrestleMania, I guess it was last year, uh, we were happened to all be like by the bar, and, and Rick was just like, "Oh no, 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 you know, don't kick me or something." And and uh, and and then he said, "You," he, and he pointed to Os Osmos, and he said, "You." He said, "Like uh, he said, um, he said like uh, like you, you." He said, "You don't understand." He he kick he'll kick harder than you will, and you know, just to make a just to make a joke, you know. Yeah, right. Oh, Rick's got that good sense of timing, comedic timing. Yeah, and I've also had the incentive to let Rick know that I'm in there with them. Uh, right. <laughs> right. You got you to prove your metal there. No doubt about that. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So I'll hold the rest off for later uh, for upcoming episodes. I think that might be cool to kind of touch upon each week a little bit. Um, I got to ask, did, have you seen Blue Kane on Twitter at all? Have you seen that? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So there's, did I, oh, fuck, I didn't put the picture up. Or Maybe? Did I, is oh, it, I did put the picture up. Blue Kane, here he is. Is it just, okay. It's just some dude dressed like Kane, but in blue. I guess, I think I've seen that, maybe. Okay. Well, apparently, starting today, he got suspended from Twitter. So I think WWE's finally cracking down on, on Blue uh, Kane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, was he, get, was he getting some steam? He was getting some big steam, yes. He was getting super, people were like, Making references to him all the time. He was he was definitely engaging on social media. Um, yeah, I think the hammer got laid down on Blue Kane. Now he's like, uh, follow me on my new Instagram. Right, I'm on Threads or whatever. It's called. <laughs> I'm on Threads. How was it working with Kane, the actual Kane? Because uh, there were you guys were an odd couple uh, tag team pairing in, in a lot of ways, and it was kind of neat to see you guys together. Yes, we were. Um, it was. Uh, it was cool. It was fun because uh, I really like Kane. And um, it's always amazed me that he's been there for so long, but doesn't seem to be um, scorched at all or even slightly burnt 
or browned even by the business. He just, he seems to remain super cool. Um, and, and anyway, uh, that goes a long way. And, and I liked the contrast. Uh, I liked, I liked it when he would pick a guy up for, a, for, a, 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 well, for a choke slam, but he'd pick him up with, with both hands, like he was choking him. And I would jump off the top rope and kick the guy in the face while he's holding him in by his throat. I like doing that. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love the odd couple uh, tag team pairings. Whenever they do that stuff, it's like, um, it's like I don't know. I don't even call it a guilty pleasure because I think it's a cool aspect of wrestling. You know, it's like guys you don't expect to work together are working together as a team. So, and yeah, you and Kate. Yeah, really true. yeah, I don't remember how it started. Uh, no, I don't either, as to be honest, but I liked it. <laughs> Kane was there, I think, the first night that we came into Raw when we invaded and uh, did the uh, Van Terminator for the first time. No shit. In, in Atlanta, I think Kane was, I think Kane was there to uh, eat that Van Van Terminator. And afterwards, I was like, man, I should have, I should have tried the ropes a little bit more. I would have got higher. That's right. Was, different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were a little different. I didn't get on the ropes earlier. Uh, but uh, he's he's always been. A really cool dude. Nice, nice man. Yeah, I I, I, I like teaming with him better than wrestling him because when I wrestled him, I just felt like I was just his whooping boy. You know, like that's what it, that's what it felt like as far as, uh, gee, you know, what what are we doing tonight? You know, <laughs> oh yeah, that oh that again. All right, that's that's cool. <laughs> hey, whatever, you know. Because you know when you when you try to protect the direction of your the strength and the value, that's what wrestling's so weird. You know, if you try to protect the value, uh, then then whether you go up or down does matter. You know, if you get if you go down, get beat every single night for for five months, well, what good did that do you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and so um, even though you got to be ready to adjust to, you know, whatever the job calls for, it's also something that you have some feelings attached to, you know, unless you, um, especially if you're trying to do something, I mean, unless you identify with just being a, um, an enhancement talent, which is something different. You know, those guys way more in the in the past, but those guys were just around, happy for the experience, happy to uh, thrill. You know, to get beat by a superstar, and uh, and and that's you know, hey, that was Matt Byrne, except Matt Byrne wasn't thrilled, but <laughs> he was definitely, he was an enhancement. Uh, Whatever yeah. happened to that guy? <laughs> No one ever knows. No one. Nobody knows. knows. It's a mystery, man. It's a mystery. Um, <laughs> some other aspects before we get to the uh, spotlight, the the wrestler spotlight, which I love this week. Um, what? So Jim Cornette got in a bit of a feud with Matt Hardy on, online, and you know Jim Cornette's one of the names yeah. that's been very outspoken about AEW and stuff. But I kind of wanted to. I, I don't know. I've never gotten kind of you guys crossing paths before. Have you, what's your thoughts on Jim Cornette just in general as a manager and just in the business now? Have you had interactions with him too? Um, very, very little interactions. You know, when we did that, uh, the raw uh, Mr. Monday Night Invasion angle, we were 
jumping some fences and that was the idea so we went to i think uswa we did go to smoky mountain for like one time i think we just ran in and i don't know if we had a match if we just like ran in and left everybody laying i can't remember what happened you know but and then as part of the deal for that then jim came to philly you know and appeared there whichever happened first i don't know but um that's a that's that's about it you know my opinion of him is that i agree with a lot of what he says um the 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 beliefs that are behind what he says you know what i mean yeah because um, he's old school and i and i'm old school and so my fundamentals uh well you know at least eight out of ten times i feel like uh like i agree with them uh um you know the uh the, the 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 cliche um adjectives and and not he does the the word prop game you know like that's that you know that i usually don't laugh too hard too hard at that you know he's a oh he's he's hornier than a right a, those from texas like, what you know like whatever you know that's his whole gimmick always has been and um but uh yeah once in a while if i don't agree with him you know then then it stands out i'll be like wow you know that's uh that's twice now. I can remember. I can't remember what it was right now, but but yeah, you, uh, quite often I have a similar opinion. You know, I hear about that a lot too. Like I was just in the recording with Kev Nash. This was in the past podcast, and he mentioned too how a lot like cheating on me. Oh, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Just on the social media side of things. Tell him I said hi. I definitely will. I'll let him know. But he mentioned too how like. He was in TNA when he was in TNA, and him and Cornette were there at the same time. And he'd be a lot of the times he would hear what Cornette says and be like, "You know what? I kind of agree with him in a certain way." So it's like a lot of veterans feel that way. Kurt Angle feels that way too. A lot of the, a lot of the yeah, mentioned too. So yeah, man. Yeah, and and in a lot of it, you know, I could explain uh, to the the wrestlers, but it would be I'd have to be like in a seminar or something. I don't know why I would tell the public everything that I would tell them, you know, like I'm not, I'm, that's, that's, I don't see the value in that, but I feel like um, a lot of them grew up watching us, but they didn't have our hands-on training. And, and so because of that, there's some stuff missing that's obvious to us, but uh, maybe, maybe it just stays missing and we just go past it. I don't know. I know it's like uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking is gonna kind of happen in a lot of ways. Is a lot of people, you like you mentioned that before, how a lot of people, you got the foundation like from the Sheik and you know stuff, and you and Sabu both, you know, and but a lot of these guys they see what they see on television and then they mimic it and be like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, and then just a lot of them don't get the proper training, and then it just kind of rolls snowballs from there. It becomes what they thought it was when they were fans that thought they were smart and then that that, that becomes what it is you know because right. yeah that's yeah that's a good way to look at it it is absolutely um all right it's time for the wrestler spotlight and this is going to be one of my favorites because it's kind of a full circle thing here rob so this week we we're talking who you mentioned earlier mr jerry lynn hey yeah and so what's really neat about this rob is he was my first ever pro wrestling interview with Jerry Lynn. And so, really? Nice. Yeah. When so was that? That was back in 2018 at StarCast 1. So I remember I was working at WrestleZone at the time, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go around and try to start getting interviews. 
and so they had like a big row of people there. Um, and the first one up there was Jerry Lynn, and I talked to him for like five minutes. Maybe it was only two minutes, but he was the nicest guy I could ever imagine. And like it was a good way to start off like the whole thing with me. So, uh, and here, good geez. guy, yeah. super dude, super dude, super dude. I, I, you know, I always sing his praises now too, man. Um, um you know, we weren't even friends when. We started working with each other, you know. We just uh, Scotty Anton was actually the the mutual friend, the really? common denominator there. Yeah, I knew he was a friend of Scotty's, and uh, I I mean I liked that he I liked his wrestling style. I think I I don't know if he'd wrestled Sabu at that point or not on on WCW time wise. Can't remember which happened first, but anyway. Um, yeah, I we built our relationship through having those outstanding matches, and that's why a lot of it is so good because it was competitive in a way that you couldn't mimic by being two brothers that grew up together. You know, and I, and I don't mean that specifically for anybody. I'm just saying, like that's like Sabu. The way Sabu put it, he, he used to say that he and I kind of cheated by having great matches because we trained together, came up together and have wrestled each other the most out of anyone else that, that we're going to wrestle. He used to say that's kind of cheating. Well, with me and Jerry Lynn didn't even know each other at all and went out there and then uh, tore it up and then, you know, went back at it and then topped it, topped it, topped it. So it was like that. How about that? And so did you guys, First meet in WCW, then did you cross? No, no, check this out. <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to tell that story. Um, so this was uh, the Soma days, you know, okay. for, for back, you know, back before I knew how dangerous they were, uh, and I would uh, uh, eat Somas sometimes. And uh, one of those times would be when I'm on an airplane trying to sleep. So uh, I got on the airplane. I think it was valued jet you know which thank god they're not around anymore they they suck so bad dude they they were always late i think they were based out of atlanta they were always always late changing gates sometimes three or four gates each time <laughs> they were so bad Be, before uh before spirit air but but way worse no, I... way worse though um but anyway i got on the airplane and Jerry was sitting much more towards the front, so I passed him on, on the way to the back. You know, like, that's where I met him. Hey, Jerry, you know, what's up, dude? Uh, good to meet you. Uh, Scotty says good stuff about you. Boom, boom, boom. Cool. I went back there to the back in my seat, and um, I apparently took some somas uh, so that I could take a nap on the airplane and uh, I thought that I would eat some cereal that this stewardess flight attendant handed out um, to uh, to help kick in the Somas and uh, Jerry thought he'd come back and talk to me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're up at 30,000 feet. We got some time to kill. He's like, I'm going to go see what's up with Rob. He came back there and saw me trying to get the spoon in my mouth uh, when I was relaxed. 
And uh, that motherfucker ended up feeding me. No shit. First, first time I met him, he's feeding me Fruit Loops or something. And I'm going, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was, that was the, so I don't know what, it, well, I don't know what our conversation would have entailed, you know, at that point, what we could have possibly talked about when he came back there. Um, but yeah, man, nice dude. He took over the spoon right away. Well, geez, you're talking about how you guys had chemistry in the ring. There it is right there. It just started with the cereal feed. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if my timing was all right, but he was able to match it. He got he got it lined up. Yeah. yeah. He got it lined up. All right, yeah. So in the early 1990s, he got some attention for a series of matches with the Lightning Kid, also known as X-Pac in the GWF. Uh, did you ever see any of those matches he had with Sean? And, I did. Uh, did you? What would you think of those? Um, I liked them. You know, I figured uh, that we were all, like, kind of on the same – path like uh one two three or lightning kid and jerry lynn and me and sabu like we were all what the industry was calling um high flyers you know that were representing um a lighter weight class and uh more aerial moves and we were all kind of like coming up at the same time yeah yeah well as we're recording right now too it's actually uh sean walton's birthday today um, so, oh, happy birthday! Yeah, yeah, Sean's great. What What did you uh, think of Sean growing up? Well, growing up with him in the industry, but then working with him too, eventually at some point. Or did you? Did, you did work with him, right? Uh, yeah. I um, the first time I remember meeting him was when I was in WWE in uh, 2001. Um, I had. Well, I had a, a match that he was in. I think it was maybe a six-man. Otherwise, maybe it was a tag match. might have been me and someone against him and Tajiri, I think. Maybe it was that that match where Tajiri said, Shoto ah, better, and really <laughs> and, and taught me the wisdom uh, that I would soon learn. Um, but afterwards, I think that's – I don't – know if i talked to him before that i don't feel like i did and he ended up driving me to the hotel afterwards because i had a concussion and he was he was trying to be nice you know and um uh drove my car and then i guess his boys uh drove a different car and then picked him up after he dropped me off my hotel it's almost a distant memory it was so long ago and i was concussed right that's another thing uh but i think that was the first day that uh that i remember meeting him Man. yeah yeah no it's uh and it's kind of neat and you mentioned it too because i uh when i started studying up a little bit more on wrestling and stuff and getting to learn of the gwf and stuff i jerry lynn was the name and then Sean Waltman was the name, and like Sabu, and then yeah, you guys were on that all that groundswell of like the new generation of talent kind of coming up that still had the wrestling aspect of it all, but added another spin to it too. So yeah, mm -hmm. kind of neat. Yeah, see. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else you know was uh, around uh, right then that, that I used to wrestle a lot, but, but a lot of times it would be us against you know one of the 
old timers or big guys to to show to show our stuff. Yeah, working in your realm. We hadn't seen we hadn't seen like Lucha Libre or anything yet at that point because you know our TVs didn't go that far. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't so, have the internet. Nope. Nope. So how did you think Jerry fit in the ECW when he got there? You said in the past about Lance Storm at the time that you didn't see what was extreme about him, but you later understood that why he was there. Did you think Jerry would be a good fit with ECW? I, I don't remember having an opinion on him before I wrestled him other than I thought he was a good wrestler from seeing him at Global or, you know, whenever I, I had seen him. I knew that he was a, a, a flyer, like to move a lot like me. I knew that he was going to be a guy that liked to do a lot of uh, fast um, paced action. And so uh, that's really all I knew. And before our first match that we had in Philly, um, the powers to be thought that I should uh, just, just kind of beat him, you know, yeah. no longer, no longer than eight minutes. That um, I don't know because I didn't like going short anyway. You know what I mean? Like at that time, it was important for me to give everything I had to the fans, and you know I really did. So when I said I was a whole effing show, I wanted to do everything I could to back that up. So I wanted to bust my ass so that even if the other nine matches before mine were so so. I wanted to be able to connect with the crowd, rock with the crowd if if I could. That was a challenge I put on myself. I wanted them to be I wanted to know that they were gonna go home being like, yeah, that was the best time. Um and, and hopefully not just because of me, but I mean I put that on on myself that I wanted to do my soul part through the most I could, as if it did all depend on me. And so I, I didn't want to go out there and what show two new moves I came up with since the last uh, TV or something. Cause that's, that's kind of what I was doing at that time, you know, like, yeah. hmm, you know, how about a springboard uh, off the guardrail into a flying, you know, one legged kick, whatever it was just, um, I just thought that was not the right call, you know, mm -hmm. eight, yeah. minutes, eight minutes. I don't know, man, I, think I can pull something out of this guy. And then 20, 20 some minutes later, finally beat him after a bit of a battle, you know, and I had a bloody nose, I was pulling splinters out of my ass, my outfit was ripped, you know, and, uh, and, and I loved that, you know, I didn't want an easy, I didn't want short to a better, that wasn't until years, that wasn't until years later when I was broke, the WWE broke me by, uh, uh, you know, paying me more for shorter and not wanting longer and, and, uh, and just being a, a cog in the wheel instead of being able to do, like I said, and having the freedom to be able to do my part and do everything I could within my power, you know? And when once that's taken from you, then it's like, well, fuck. If, if I don't have the power to do nothing about it, then, then yeah. Short right. the better. <laughs> short, short the better. <laughs> okay. No, and I think that's a... Oh my god uh, yeah to to that point like right at the height of ecw going right now you're the tv champ too when that's when you have your match with jerry it's like yeah why would you want to limit that kind of thing you want to showcase all that stuff so 
Yeah, and it turns out, you know, that um, we just, uh, we really clashed really well, you know. It's not all, every, everything wasn't just super smooth zen like we're two peas in a pod, you know, not even when it came to ideas and, and, and even just, uh, uh, you know, he was just, I think we're both stubborn in our belief systems. And so sometimes there would be um, not, not like a difference of an opinion, but a lot of times an added on twisted version, you know, uh, adaption, uh, educated version, you know, and, and so it was like that kind of stuff was cool. And, and it, came out, it came out, you know, in talks, talking with the guy, and it comes out, still does. And it's, you know, and it comes out uh, with our body language and with our matches. No doubt about it, yeah. And, uh, man, seeing your guys' old matches, too, it's like you can immediately see it. Immediately see it. So who did, like, Jerry hang out with backstage while he was at ECW? Was it, like, did he kind of hang with you guys? Or was he, did he, was he almost like a Tommy Dreamer in certain ways where he could kind of mesh with anybody or... Um, I I think that he hung out with Lance Storm if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I can picture him hanging out with Axel a little bit too, but I I'm not really sure. You know, Jerry wasn't like into uh, partying heavy, like a lot of the cliques were in their different ways. Right. <laughs> um, but he liked. And still does. I'm talking about him like, you know, <laughs> we're talking about him back then, but he, um, he likes uh, like really heavy um, music that's like that mash pit, mosh pit yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. he, likes that, he likes that kind of stuff. <laughs> so so that's for him, that's partying. He, he used to go in the mosh sometimes, like during those matches in between and stuff around that time when we'd be, hey, what'd you do? Oh, I went to this concert and jumped in the mosh. Like, dude, how do you... Like, there's like people are swinging at each other. I don't get yeah. that. Dude, but, I was, my buddy went into a mosh pit when I was in Philly, and I was like, how the fuck are you doing that? Like, I saw him from a distance. Like, there is no way I would talk about getting concussed. That would that would have been me, 100%. They, they fight and act like they're not fighting, but I was trying to swing and hit somebody, but then trying to act like it's random. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's a, it's a, it's funny you say that too. But like, Jerry looks like he would be that type of guy to do it, but he also his personality doesn't fit that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but but I think that's for a lot of people. Like, I think people that aren't necessarily dominant or whatever work out their frustrations in those kind of environments, like a kind of like the Fight Club, you know, when it's like normal people like going there to rage and then they. They're happy to to be beat up or to win either way. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Something like that, maybe. Something like that. Okay. And then every once in a while, an asshole will come stumbling through, whew, doing like spinning back fists after you know roundhouse spinning back. You know, wham, wham, and and then just nail somebody and just like keep keep on going like they didn't even notice. Right. Just somebody ruined it. That's not for me. No. No way. Yeah. No way. So you and Jerry had a lot of classic matches, obviously, in ECW. Uh, is there any ones that, like, certainly stand out for you uh, when you guys had matches? Oh, well, I mean, I remember that first one. We were just mm -hmm. talking about it. I remember what I was wearing. I think I was wearing the Tommy Dreamer 
remember to remember outfit when I took that pile driver, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. with the red dragon on there. Um, tan outfit. Um, well, I mean, you know, spots more than whole matches. I don't know. Sure. I mean, you know, I always think it was Poughkeepsie, but I have been told that I'm not right about this, but I think it's Poughkeepsie where uh, where I kicked him off the top rope and he, he went down and on his way down, his hand, like, pushed the mat away so his head bounced off the cement and knocked himself out. Holy shit. Oh, you don't even know about that. A lot, no, of, a lot, no. a lot of people know about that. Oh, holy smokes. Um, okay, so let's Crot- see. He's crotched on the top rope. Yeah. I did the flying sidekick to him, and, and, and his foot kind of got hooked. But when he went down, the way he went to break his fall with his hands, it, it, it separated the fucking man. <laughs> and he, boom, and he just, like, like he knocked himself out. Uh, and, and he had a huge goose egg there. So holy that shit. sticks out it, in my mind. Yeah. And I remember... Hammerstein Ballroom um, because I just got back from Thailand and I was jacked. Jacked on up. Back to 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I had my tiger striped outfit and I was just like, dude, that's when I just felt undefeatable. But I knew the company was uh, defeatable. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were aware of that as an aspect of it all. Yeah, it was done. Yeah, But true. I wasn't. No, you were still you were cooking just fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you just mentioned that about the um, favorite series of moves and spots. Um, yeah, here's a cool one uh, that Chris, YouTube Chris put up. What do you feel is the ECW of legacy of RVD versus Jerry? Explain to me what legacy actually means. So kind of like the historical kind of impact that it left on there and what it meant for ECW. How, that's how I would interpret legacy, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what? And what, what it meant for you too, I guess. And maybe both of you guys. You know? Um, how, how? Yeah. What did have that rivalry? I'll rephrase it in that aspect. What did that rivalry mean to you? The rivalry? Oh, yeah. Of Jerry Jerry. yeah. It, it, it just in the ECW legacy, or just in? in I would in, say in, let, no. let's. Let's go from a career legacy as your career for your career. I think that would be uh, well. I'm very proud of those matches. You know, I think that Jerry and I actually came out of the series better wrestlers than we were before because you know we we were keeping each other sharp and trying to always outdo uh, the what what was done last, and it, it was just. Uh, um, it was awesome, and so uh, wait, what was the question? The, my legacy. So, I, <laughs> so um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm proud of those matches. They're they're standard setters, and I don't know how many of my matches could be considered standard setters for the whole industry. Maybe many, maybe only the RVD Jerry matches. I don't know. I don't know if that's for me to decide, but these definitely are because afterwards people have, you know, always wanted to do an RVD, Jerry Lynn style of uh, wrestling or matches with me. And I'm like, you know, it's it ain't going to be the same, but I, I get what you mean. You, you mean you want to you want to go, you know? So Yeah. And no, I think, uh, 
you know, it, when we were in Pittsburgh, I remember several fans that would come up to you and be like, oh, I remember when you wrestled Jerry Lynn here, the, the shithole Ross Draver ice card. So. Yeah, so who knows how many times I wrestled him. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, cool. Uh, so, kind of fittingly enough, it's time for the Rob Randam match. Uh, YouTube Chris picked this one out. Not so Randam, but uh, let's see if you can get... Oh, do I have the picture up? Let me see if I got it but let me see here. Do I have it? Oh, I do have it somewhere. Here it is. Okay, cool, cool. All right. So, Rob, take a look at this singlet, and let me guess. You guess who your opponent was for this one? Well, there's some synchronicity here. You. Synchronicity. No, I was thinking. I was thinking that it was a different outfit that I had with the Tommy Dreamer match, but now I think it's this one. Or was this a Jerry Lynn match? Well, you know it, man. It's a Jerry Lynn match. We're talking about that one. Your first match. The oh, one the first one. I got ripped yep. in. And, yeah. Yep. So this one took place, I believe. YouTube Chris told me August fifteenth. Yes, it was August fifteenth. I watched it right before we started recording here. What year? Uh, 1998. 98, okay. 1998. And um, it was a hardcore TV match. It was the main event. Um, i trying to think who else was on there, who opened. I know there was a segment between Lance Storm and Chris Candido that opened it, opened the thing. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, this Jerry Lynn match. Uh, you were pretty – you were only four months into your TV title reign at this point. Mm. Um, how did you kind of at this point are you pretty much feeling like okay momentum's picking up for me I'm feeling pretty good as the champ um, hell yeah dude, momentum, momentum's picking up like I'm on a water slide dude <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and the crowd is loving it you know what I mean and it's just like uh, every every weekend seems better than the weekend before yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. outdoing myself Feeling great, uh, connecting with the crowd more and more, uh, connecting with the bigger crowd more and more. ECW was uh, growing you know, a lot during this point. And so that was a lot of the applause as well. You know what I mean? Like taking that in, watching, uh, watching us go from sometimes we'd go from a, a smaller shitty building to maybe like a little nicer building uh, down the street. Uh, or even just drawing more, and um, that was cool. Like in Chicago, we did that. What do we do? Raven Night, Odium, I think, and then uh, whatever it was. But um, all that was good, though. Oh yeah, I bet, man. I bet, and like, yeah, feeling that heat and coming on up. It's like, and then you seeing the results of it too. Like not only the crowd reaction, but what you're saying—the house is getting bigger and stuff like that. It's got to be pretty damn rewarding at that point. And, of course, the people were into uh, – they'd already seen that RVD versus Jerry Lynn was the best wrestling they'd ever seen before. So they were already, you know, excited that that's going to happen uh, there in front of them. And so, just like always, that's a lot to live up to. And uh, that's what I loved about it. The expectations are high. I can exactly see why when I watched this match. I was like – immediately I saw the chemistry between you two. And like the presence that Jerry even had in the ring starting off, and then how your like your attitudes almost contrasted one another in certain ways too. It was well, oh, this is the first match we're talking about. In Philly this is the first match, yeah, correct. So, so forget that about they're excited because they already 
knew that that was the best match. So I didn't know that yet. They didn't know it yet. Yeah. Exactly. I thought we were on a different match. No, this is this is your first televised match. Yeah, at the ECW arena. Speaking. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah man. So uh, I just knew that he was my opponent for that time. You know. Um. I didn't know how many times I was going to wrestle him or anything like that, but I knew. I wanted to make it that a, a, a real worthy match. I don't know if it was before this or shortly after. We just started bringing guys in from other companies, yes. you know, for, for challenges. And uh, that's where uh brought Kamala in, Kamara, or Kamala Second from all Japan, Ben Peacock, friend of mine, and uh, one-man gang. You know, we were just uh, even from, from uh, like, Crawford, Furnace, you know. Oh, Crawford, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Them. Uh, it was uh, that was kind of like the plan, and um, I was really enjoying it. So I didn't want the I didn't want this to be an easy an easy step. That's for sure. No, no doubt, and it's kind of neat because when I went back and watched this match, it was on the Peacock, and so I uh, saw Hardcore TV, and I was like, I, I've been on there before and obviously watched the matches, but I was I'm surprised with how many episodes there are. So I'm like, geez, I got a lot of catching up to do on this stuff because. On the ECW, on the Hardcore TV episodes, I was really pleasantly surprised with how many up is up on, on there. So uh, from the arena, right? Or not the, the TNN one? Not the TNN one? No, no. So this is still '98. So it's uh, whatever it was. It was Sunshine Network at that point, or you know where where they're going. Got you, Alexa. Shut the fuck up. She's singing again. Every day. I don't know why she turns herself on. Heck, jeez, what a diva. Yeah. But well, yeah, it, let's talk about the ECW arena in those days. What, what was it like working there? This was prime ECW during 1998. Uh, how was the atmosphere for you? Uh, in the Because, like me, I get to see the 2300, but I never experienced the actual elements of the ECW regional in its heyday, so to speak. Right. Well, uh, from, ah. hey, you know, from what I remember, uh, the fans were loving – RVD, you know, they were loving the uh, TV title reign, and uh, I was loving it too, you know. Um, it was awesome because I, I was always still working with Sabu, you know, mm -hmm. even if I was a singles competitor. Uh, it was always he was around, or I'd be around his matches, or we'd be backstage promos together, whatever. So it was a lot of fun uh, for me during that time because, you know, we're were uh like family since he trained me and and so uh you know i missed i missed that that was that was awesome because it was just uh it was just real you know us traveling around together and stuff like that but um that that night you know i i knew that uh um i knew that i had the uh, spotlight on me and uh it was time to perform i looked at every Every night like that, but with the TV championship, especially in, in Philadelphia, uh, the competition level was very, very high. It was like the fans there were spoiled because because <laughs> <laughs> they've been getting such great matches. They've been screaming so loud, so many deafening pops already, you know. So always when we were there, uh, it was it was like uh, the opposite of a night off, you know, really looking to bring something to the show. Right, right. Um, 
this is a cool question too. I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts. It's such a legendary arena, the ECW arena. Where does it rank for you overall as for arena? Just from, yeah, I would just say from like a, a perspective of how you feel about it in general. About this match? About the ECW arena in comparison to everything else in your career. Where would you kind of rank this arena for yourself in your career? Um, the ECW arena was, uh, it was very special, you know, it was, it was an essential step in, in my career because it was the most, it was such a huge change. The whole culture in the Northeast was different than the South where I had come from. Yeah. And, and it really was represented by the ACW crowd. You know, I went from all kids to no kids. <laughs> and then, like, they all swore, you know, and you, the, their chants, you know, that they had were vulgar, and they they entertained themselves in our expenses, and they were the high, the most highly opinionated crowd, you know, like like ever. So there was a lot of pressure. So uh, for for me, you know, I loved that. While I was there, I was learning to. Become myself in front of them with that atmosphere and in that uh, that setting, you know, the where they're just watching for me to slip up so they can say, "You fucked up, you fucked up." You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't want that. You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. That, I was yeah. gonna ask you about that too, like how you felt about the "you fucked up" chance, like whenever that would come. Well, I mean, oh, fuck, I did fuck up. Or would that just be a more of a motivation? I mean, it depends, you know. I mean, like, say say I grab a chair and then uh, I'm going to throw it at Sabu, but he drop kicks it into my face. And if the crowd wants to say, you fucked up, then then good. You know, I'm glad that they're entertained by that. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, what I mean? um, if, if I want to do a springboard and I slip, um, and, and I fall on my face, and they say, you fucked up, then, uh, you know, find me a noose. But <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I stopped doing springboards along, you know, at a certain point, because it doesn't take slipping too many times to where I just throw it out and say, not worth it. Yeah, right. you know, everyone else can do the springboard. But, but I was still doing I did it like with the Van Terminator, but I'm just, for example, though, I'm just saying, you know that was uh, that was a lot of pressure, and if I if I fucked up, I was already my own worst critic. So getting that getting shit out on top of it was not a good feeling. It kind of those words those words kind of felt like uh, like like cups full of dog crap sometimes. Oh my gosh! Now was that was that kind of an across the board feeling for the locker room like they were like oh i don't want to get a you fucked up chant or did some people were just like i don't give a shit you know like whatever i couldn't speak for anybody else your honor like i said sabu sometimes would go for those right you know? yeah intentionally do it do a springboard and trip himself and fall and get him and uh and then you know he got what he wanted so there was that Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, like to, to that extent, there kind of was. But, um, so, J you mentioned it, like Jerry, like beating him in like eight minutes. He didn't didn't want to do that stuff like that. Um, what was kind of Jerry's feeling about that, or well, he was just like going along to get along at this point, right? Trying trying to just 
acclimate himself with everything? Or I, yeah, I think he he would have been fine with uh, whatever was told to him. You know, to have to have that opportunity to have a match. You know, mm-hmm. they could have. They, you know, this was this was bef- before. Um, before talking to Jerry about it, you know, still them telling me that, uh, but, you know, I'm sure if it would have been like six minutes, we went, oh, dang, I would have liked to show him some stuff, but it wouldn't have been like a huge deal, you know, and, oh, oh really? That's my Jerry Leonard person. Oh, dang it. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, are you serious? Dang it. Dang it. I wish we would. Wish we had more time. I don't know. <laughs> All right, that's moving up in the rankings for me for your impressions. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> All right, so like we mentioned earlier, this was your first match together on TV, but you guys worked together on house shows leading up to this. Your chemistry very noticeable. I don't know if we did actually. That's what YouTube Chris says. So possibly, I believe this is the first match I've seen for you guys so yeah i don't know because uh i kind of feel like like we didn't work house shows before this uh i don't think that we did Damn it, you know? if that's the case like you guys are fucking peanut butter and jelly right well, that's the way that's the way i remember it. i don't remember it like okay we've already worked a bunch and i remember it like us feeling each other out there and me take taking the time to 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 to, to do that and peel it apart instead of what I was advised to do, and so that would make my story uh, pretty uh, bass backwards. But it's possible I'm wrong, but I don't think so. No, I, dude. I mean, I could see it definitely like you guys just meshing that well. Um, okay, yeah. During your match, you're laying face down, and Jerry hit you with a leg drop from the second rope, ramming your face into the mat. Your nose immediately started bleeding badly. Was it a broken nose? Did you have a broken? Nose? I don't think so. You didn't think so? It, I mean, it was a cool visual. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If it, if it was, I mean, sometimes you don't end up knowing because you don't, you know, I didn't get it looked at or anything. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Did you break your nose before that before? Like, you know, whether you're doing martial arts. I don't or know. Like I don't yeah. know. I mean. Do you count Sabu diagno- Sabu's diagnosis? <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> Medical. <laughs> he, he says he says yes, you know, but I don't know if it was actually broke or not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would take Sabu's opinion. I think he would probably be a, somewhat of an expert on that. <laughs> um, let me see. Okay, yes. So YouTube Chris, this is he wrote this down. He said YouTube Chris is pretty sure that you wrestled later that night against the Dudleys. You also. T- did you wrestle the Dudleys that night? Do you remember at all? I think so. This is all twisted up in my head right now because I mean I know I've wrestled the Dudleys on several occasions, but me personally against both Dudleys, I think happened the night that I cut my eyelid. Oh, yeah, because uh, me and Sabu put Bam Bam Bigelow through a table. Unless this was all the same night, you know what I mean? Put Bam Bam Bagel through a table, and a jagged edge of the table fell outward instead of just caving in. It went outward over the leg, and I had to – and anyway, I taped my head all up. Yeah. And then, I, and then I wrestled in a handicap match with both Dudleys later that night. 
And I don't know if I also wrestle the Dudleys after wrestling Jerry Lynn. I don't know why I would because uh, I don't we I don't think we taped several. I don't think that we used to do that at the Philly to, to tape several TV shows, you know, or, and I don't know why, but you know, that one I, I could be wrong on, but that's uh and, by, and then I got seven stitches on my Island later that night, by the way. Holy shit. You didn't know well, about that either. No. Uh-uh. Well, you know what? I uh like in this match itself too, was like, like you were saying, this is a longer match between you two. You guys went, went a good amount of time. So, um, you took a tornado DDT from the apron to a table on the floor, and the table didn't break. Um, do you remember that? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. Think, yeah. Sometimes that happens, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes that happens, but um, that's also, uh, I mean, it depends on how you hit it and there's factors of wh- wh- which way your momentum is going and your weight. But um, for us, you know, that's a, a, that was a big factor because – we were using stuff that was already there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sabu always says this in interviews. He was the first one to start breaking tables and stuff. Right. And he said it's there already. It's something that would be and is beside the ring or under the ring for the ring announcers, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. That's why it made sense. And then now they have, like, doors under there and, like, Things that they big sheets of glass and what you know, it's now it's like the stuff that would never be under there. Like, why is that under there? Yeah, what's unless, the point of having that there? <laughs> unless it's a really special match, you know, of I guess that kind of silly garbage stuff. I don't know, but um, to, to Sabu's point, I agree with that too. And I feel like we, we would, damn, we would take we'd go through the announcer's table, and then it, it was a different approach to start taking the wire rim off of it and gimmicking it, you know, and, and then like you got, you know, and then, and then you get to what WWE was, which was, uh, they'd see, yeah, we were, we were diving through the table out of the cement floor and then for them. Okay. But we can put three feet of safe padding underneath the table and then sprinkle a bunch of dust powder powder on it so it'll poof you know when when you hit it and then take all the trimmings off and saw it so it's ready to go and, and then that's why i always before i went there i didn't want to go there because i always thought it was like a hollywood version of wrestling yeah like they were uh filming stunts like what we were actually doing you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah but um, yeah, I kind of remember that one. The table didn't break. Uh, I think we roll onto the floor. Yep, yep. Oh, so some other cool notes I wanted to mention too that uh, Chris didn't have down. I liked it, the aspect when uh, it was earlier on in the match. Uh, you and uh, Jerry had a sequence, but then you got out of the ring, or he knocked you out of the ring, or something like that. And then you're like, a nerve of that bastard. Well, you know what? What was funny is like you're with Bill. And the referee, I can't remember his name, but you were like, "Was it so, Pee Wee?" Like, huh? Was it, was it Pee Wee? No, it wasn't. Oh. Pee Wee was. What was Pee Wee's name? It was John Pee Wee Moore. John Moore. No, it was an Italian last name. I think he had Jeff. That Jeff dude. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Jeff something or something. I can't remember. But what was funny is you were like, 
So who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to RVD or am I going to listen to Jeffer over here? You pointed to the ref. as that the camera. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. Oh, that was Jim Molyneux. Yes, that was it. That's that was it. Uh-huh, that was it. That's yeah. Yeah, uh, John again. Was it another one? Yep, yeah, Jim Molyneux. Good yep. dude. That was it. And so then later on in the match, he did like a two count or something like that. And you got up and you're like, I like working off the refs being a heel. That's fun. Yeah, and you know what? It's like you don't I, you don't really see that too much anymore. And so it's like when you, you see it back then, it's like, oh, man, it stands out even more. because. Well, you got to come up with a lot of stuff when it's not scripted, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I, I think I told you this. I don't know. I have this conversation all the time. But just like we were saying earlier, like it is – what they thought it was coming up, so they made it that now. Um, I've, I've The only scripts anyone has ever handed me has been dialogue, whether it's in an acting part like a movie, TV show, or in wrestling if it's an idea for uh, a promo, and they usually want me to, to handle it, you know. But I'm not saying that some of these other guys aren't dealing with scripts. I don't know. I hear the word thrown around so much. I'm starting to believe it myself, but I can tell you that as far as I know, it's not, you know, and, uh, and back when it was very much uh, more of just, you know, go with the moment and be committed to the moment. That's when a lot of good, the best stuff would come out. Right. Well, what I found was really cool in this match too, was it wasn't the finish, but I thought it was going to be at first. Was um, so there was a sequence where uh, Jerry is in the ring, Alfonso comes in and interferes. He grabs the chair. Jerry grabs the chair from him, and I think Jerry grabs the chair from Bill. But then you hit him with a Van Daminator on it, and I was like, "That's the finish." But then Jerry rolls out of the ring, and uh, yes, and so I thought that was such a cool sequence of like setting it up, where it's like there's the distraction, and it really brought up some good heat for Jerry and like the crowd was starting to get behind Jerry too a little bit with it when it came yeah, out. Awesome. Which was very, very cool. Another aspect I didn't even think about was how small the guardrails were, how close the guardrails were to the, to the ring itself at that. And so like you did a baseball slide and like Jerry moved out of the way or something. And then you slid just right into the crowd. <laughs> wow. I was thinking about, uh, when you said that, I was thinking about when Sabu would do a moonsault off the second rope outside. Like, like when he had me on the stretcher, did that mm-hmm. moonsault, and his shins just went whack right on the guardrail. Smack straight on it. Like every time I watch that, I got to rewind it like five times, and I'm laying on the floor in a ball watching it. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Oh, that makes me wince just thinking about it, too. Crack. Jeez. Like baseball bats. Sound like baseball bats hitting the guardrail. Not good. Not good. All right. So the match ended with Jerry crotched on the top rope. This was such a cool ending to the match, too. Jerry cropped, tro- crotched on the top rope. You went up to the top and kicked a chair into his face that Fonzie was holding. It was a really well done sequence. But after you kicked the chair, it went flying into the front row and it looked like it hit re- a recognizable fan. Chris knows the name of this guy named Lenny with the long black hair and black sunglasses. Often sits in the same seats at the arena. I have a picture of the leg here. Put up. Is this him? Yeah, do you see him? He looks like one of the Ramones. With the RVD shirt on, and I kicked yeah. him with a chair. And you kicked him with <laughs> you, you, yeah, you finished him too, along with Jerry. 
<laughs> Sorry, Lenny, bro. Thanks for not suing me. Yeah, there you go. It, 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 I had to. I went. Back, I rewound it and it looked. I was like, "Holy shit!" It did hit him. Did he? Was he hurt? I think he must be okay, from what I know. Like I. No, but I mean, you said you watched it. I did, did watch it. it. Oh, so the 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 guys did go over there and check on him. Um, as far as what I was able to see, it, they like swarmed him, and I don't know what happened after. It. Oh. Yeah, well, that's exactly why ECW couldn't be around today. When people ask, you know, could you think that could ever come back? No. Nah, not not with that stuff. Not and be in its true form, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you talked about it, like you wanted this match to go. If Lenny, if Lenny didn't want to sue, he would have ten buddies that want to beat him up for not wanting to sue. You know. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I, it's kind of funny because I'm like, I see the guy in the straw hat with the Hawaiian shirt on and stuff. And it's just like all those recognizable fans are just, just there. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of uh, lawsuits back in the day from uh, me hitting. I was involved in two for me, um, you know, physically hitting crowd members. Oh, man. It's crazy, yeah. too, because just today, AEW, uh, a port came out of AEW. They have a no new whole rule list. List of moves that you're not banned, but you have to get approval from. And then they talk about doing like the crowd stuff, like no interaction, like no weapons in the crowd, no spitting, yeah. none, none of that stuff. It's all starting to start to get implemented on there. So. Yeah, well, you got to have control, man. We were, we were, that was what was so incredible. And that's why everyone watched it because you never knew what, what was going to happen. But that was also. Um, why it can't be anymore. I mean, I mean, fire went under the guardrail and lit the fans on fire one time. I think it was Terry Funk or Mick Foley. Probably, yeah, probably a Terry Funk thing, it sounds like. Cause, yeah, uh, ooh, it was all kinds of things that would happen that nowadays just would not fly in, in this nerf-safe, work-friendly environment world. Right. When you, when you a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Everything backstage that used to work doesn't work anymore. But a lot of stuff in the show as well. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, and uh, when you get a new TV deal coming up or something like that, like AEW's got, it's like you gotta button up, you gotta button up and make sure everything, you know, is copacetic. When it comes yeah, yeah, you can't be hurting fans. No, right. <laughs> Breaking fans' legs and yeah. Blinding them and stuff. Blinding them, lighting them on fire. You don't know that business going down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So, do you think this match? You mentioned that, like, you wanting to go along with Jerry and like it just being a great match. Like, personally, when I watched it, I was like, I, I love Jerry. I love the work that you do. It's like this is perfect. And it, I, so, it's one of my favorite matches. I will say that right. Now. But awesome. do you think this match? Uh, gave Jerry like a whole new respect with Paul and, and a lot of the wrestlers backstage. Like, Let me give you a thumbs up right now. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. Hell yeah. Well, what, a we, what a way to start the weekend here. <laughs> <laughs> In my pencil town. Nice. Yeah, do you think this kind of gave him a new respect with Paul and uh, maybe kind of made it open his eyes a little bit of what Jerry could probably is capable of doing? Or, uh, a thousand percent. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So much so that, you know, we tried, me and Paul both tried to 
do this in WWE. When I went there in 2001, you know, uh, and I don't remember specifically, you know, I, I believe I talked to Vince about it. I said, I don't know if he's seen me and Jerry's matches, but we work great together, you know, whatever. And, um, man, did he tell me to, that I should uh, focus on bigger things? I don't know if that actually happened. Um, a lot of my conversation was through Paul because Paul had to go to the agents' meetings a few times a day. And when I talked to Paul, he was always updating me, whatever. But Paul had told me that Vince didn't didn't care for or didn't see anything special in Jerry Lynn. And, and you know, we got him to give us one match. It was on... Sunday main event or whatever Sunday that Sunday maybe was it? Sunday Sunday. Yeah. That's what it was. And it was like six to eight minutes, but it was really good though. But you know, that it didn't get him a full time job, unfortunately. Yeah, I know Jerry, he was there for I think he started like somewhere around that like two thousand one, two thousand two. I remember him being on one of the video games and like he was the I I think he became the light heavyweight champ while he was there. But uh, I really wanted to see you know more. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what you, want? you got the title. You got the. You got the title. No, I. I, I he he would have been great. I think. Yeah, he was underutilized. I I just. I always liked Jerry Lynn from that that moment and stuff. So. Um. Cool. Well, yeah. That that was what I had for Jerry. Um. Oh, I did want to get your thoughts too. We mentioned this last week. Like, hey, where would you fit? Kind of like in the um kind of dynamic of if a promotion was being run and you were part of it or something like that, like from a perspective of like coaching and stuff, could you kind of see like early on, like Jerry had that capability of being that type of person where, cause like he's a big coach in AEW. He like, did you see sure. that potential for him? Like you would be like, Oh, Jerry would be an excellent at that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Like I said, we were both stubborn, like on our views and stuff. And, and uh, it, it was that same quality where um, I, I could tell, you know, that like his 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 fundamentals um, and his reasoning always made sense. And but it was always I could tell it was really important to him in, in a way, you know, that he was uh, carrying the right thing forward. Um, and so that was something that, that I knew he could uh, he could and maybe already did teach. Yeah. Yeah. How would you say your friendship developed over the years too? After like you know you guys were you know had your great great rivalry in ECW and and moving on from that, whether you know yeah current day and stuff like that. Overall, how how's your relationship and friendship been? With well, we became we became uh, really good friends. You know, I don't I don't usually have too many people that are that are close to me, and so working uh, at that time, I think we were doing like four matches a week if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, you know, just traveling, working together and liking each other, you know, we, we bonded a lot. So um, his girlfriend and my evil ex were friends. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't no, I don't think that happened first, but I think they bonded quicker than we did. Maybe you know, like seems like they seems like, but anyway, yeah, they were like really, um, you know, like, like best friends. And so, uh, so sometimes we would do something together. I remember when I was moving, 
And I remember they came over and Jerry always tells me this because they came over to help us move. And uh, Jerry uh, smoked like a little bit. I don't know if we were smoking a joint or bong at the time, but he wasn't much of a smoker. That wasn't something, but he hit it a couple of times or whatever and ended up just going to sleep. And so like, instead of helping us, like he's just napping. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he always likes to, uh, to, to bring that up. But, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we've helped each other out um, over the years, and I think uh, he's appreciative of uh, everything I've been able to do, and I am too. And uh, last year, I guess, maybe the year before, I think it was last year at the uh, ECW Arena, um, I got inducted into their Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. put up on the wall, and um, Jerry Lynn gave the uh, a really nice speech uh, about me inducting me. How about that? How about that? Yeah, I saw your banner. I saw it up there this past weekend. So. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. I love Jerry too. No, I think he's awesome. But like, just like I said, first ever interview, just left a great impression. So if someone, yeah, if someone says that they know him and uh, and that they. I just can't imagine someone saying bad things about him. You know right. what I mean? It'd be, be hard to imagine. Right. It'd be like, you must have caught him in a horrible movie or said yeah, the wrong right. thing. Something yeah, had to happen. Yeah. <laughs> All we right. Do. Yeah, great dude. Great dude. So cool. This is a good one. Uh, let, okay, it's time for some Ask RVD. I have a few questions lined up here. And this, like, cool. Like I did with the YouTube comments, I got them screenshotted. Nice, so, dude. I like I like the extra work in production. Appreciate right, yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Thank You're you. an awesome host, like I always say. I appreciate that, Rob. So, all right, here we go. Josh Hetty, who's also a top guy at ad-free shows. I know him from other uh, uh, other shows and stuff that he teams into. Do you celebrate 420 in each time zone? <laughs> that is a lot of celebrating. That you is. know what I mean? That's like every hour on the hour. Yeah, you know... Uh, for me, like, I've never bothered to, like, set an alarm for it or anything because it would take the fun out of it. So if you see me post, hey, it's 420, and if I'm somewhere, I'll post where I'm at, too. The other day I said it's 420 in Chicago because it was. Yeah. But for me, the fun is when I look down and, like, hey, look at that, you know. Otherwise, if I put an alarm and just went, hold on a second, I got to send my daily post, you know, then maybe people would still like to follow it, you know. They probably would, especially if I traveled and and, and then I I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah. laughs> for me, the fun is just when the universe uh, happens to have me look down at either four twenty or four nineteen, and I'm like, "Would you look at that? I'm gonna, you know, send a send a tweet." Uh, or if I'm already smoking, then I do feel like, "Hey, well, this extra toke is extra blessed." Right. You know. Yeah. The time is right. <laughs> the time is right. Uh, okay. Hey, we got a legend here. The Pontiac Silverdome tweets at us. He's, they, Wait. It says, <laughs> it <laughs> says, could you talk about your first apartment that you rented? Where was it? Any interesting stories about this or any other apartments you rented while you continued to build your career in wrestling? Whoa. Hey, maybe it's like a real estate dude and they actually bought the Pontiac Silverdome because – that thing was for sale several years ago. And it was like, I mean, it might have been an auction that started really low, but I think it was like 400000 It might have been 600000 Whatever it was, it was something that I couldn't believe because it's so big and uh, 
I, I don't know. Yeah, Did my you see pictures of it too as of recent? Like I think there I can't remember the name of the site, but it's like all like recent pictures of what old stadiums look like that have been abandoned. It's like holy shit, it's like oh my god. Falling apart and shit. Yeah, falling apart is crazy yeah. looking. Yeah. You can't think, no, like, Hogan yeah. slammed Andre there or anything like that. Yeah, right. And yeah. Um I can't remember because now I'm because now I'm thinking of the, the the Hollywood sign one time, original one. Or one, yeah, the original one was for sale when I lived there. It started at like forty grand or something. I was like, I think I'm gonna bid on that. Right, but, why not? <laughs> yeah, but Hugh Hefner actually ended up buying it, you know. But so I couldn't have competed with that dude. No, no. Anyway. Um, but so the, my first apartment that I rented was in Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I was there was because I had moved down to Florida was loving living in Tampa had just gotten the name Rob Van Dam uh, not too long ago had some momentum going with some magazines and a little TV out of Universal and stuff like that um, and uh, I, Greg Price who ran South Atlantic wrestling I'd already wrestled for him um, well I wrestled for him in uh, in, in, in South Atlantic pro wrestling with Manny Fernandez, um, he ended up calling saying, you know, hey, uh, we got something going on up here in Georgia. And I'm just uh, 21. I'm 21, right? What year? Hold on. I'm either 21. I'm 21, dude. So this is, uh, this is 92. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. And I'm 20. And, I, and, and Greg Price says, hey, uh, you know, um, we got some stuff going on up here. Uh, a wrestling company got a money, dude. You know, uh, we'd like to, you know, what would it, what would it take to have you move up here? I'm like, I don't want to move up to Georgia. Are you kidding me? Like, dude, I love it down here, man. There's girls everywhere, you know, and pool parties. And, and uh, he goes, no, I know, but there must be some amount of money that, that you would move here for, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm bouncing for... 35 bucks. <laughs> I'm wrestling at the Sportatorium for 35 bucks on Thursday. And Manny Fernandez and the other dude that had the the penny collection, the coin collection. He ran CWF, Shannon Rose. Uh, that was a $50 payment, too. You know, that, and that would happen once a month or something. Um, and, and anyway, I was like, dude. He goes, no, tell me. And I'm like, I don't want to move. I know, just tell me what amount would change your mind because I could use you up here. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I was not prepared to have that. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. I was like, I mean, I'd have to pay all my bills off that so I don't have to have like a regular job, you know, so I could pay my apartment and pay my car payments or whatever I have. And I know, I know, just go ahead and tell me. And um I was just like, oh my god, dude! And I was like, I, I mean, I'd have to be like, 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 um, 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 five hundred dollars a week. And he was like, all right, what if it's six? I was like, oh my god, I'm moving to Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> so that's how that happened, and then. Uh, <laughs> I was on a weekly salary myself, Bambi, Selena Majors, mm-hmm. 
shout out to Selena. She just, whew, she lost not only uh, Dan Masters, but also uh, Peggy Lee Leather, who were the, probably those were the two closest people to her. So, bam, but it was me, her, and then also this dude that is not alive anymore. Maybe I'll do a, a radiology story on uh, Jazz Rocco. But anyway, it was the three of us were on a weekly salary. Plus, part of the job was also going and getting sponsorships from all the businesses. Uh, we were doing fundraisers. So, you know, the money would come in pretty easy for the cause, especially with a, a member from the fundraising department taking us to people in their town that they know. It was, it was a really good experience. And, uh, and, um, I made so much money doing that, that, that when I, I left to go to WCW, after being there like five or six months, I was like, dude, no, I'm out. I was doing better before, before I came here and, and, and I left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But during that time in Augusta, I got my very first apartment. It was on the Augusta golf course, the nationals. Yeah. And, uh, it was a townhouse is what you call it. I think, I think you call it a townhouse. Like one of those little, like, kind of like, uh. Where they're all connected, almost is that what? They yeah, are? yeah, they were all connected, wasn't? And uh, when you open up the door, like you go straight, or you could go upstairs. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I just had like a bed mattress on the floor downstairs. That was like my furniture, and uh, the place was filled with cockroaches. Holy fuck! Or it was either four hundred or four hundred fifty dollars a month. I was paying. Really? <laughs> the cockroaches, man, in Georgia yeah, the, whole the whole time. Yeah, even though they sprayed every month, and yeah, there was always cockroaches there. Man, no, oh, man, it's definitely a turn off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll wrap it up with this one here. But I did all right, considering that was a turn off, if you know what I mean. Hey, hey, oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jason Bertilli says any good stories on the late great balls mahoney do you have a good story for us on balls uh ooh, um, balls was a good guy he was uh he was a good dude and he was crazy and uh man he always wanted to bleed you know sometimes he'd ask me for the match you know if i mind if he bleeds i'm like dude and sometimes that happens i mean more often than you would think but but dude do you think we need it? We're at Belmar in a bar outside in the sand, and there's like, you know, <laughs> 75 people here. Um, trying to think of any specific stories. Uh, man, he was just always so nuts. I remember him sitting in the lobby. At the hotel, I think it was in Boston. Is that Boston? No, it's Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, for some reason, I don't know why, he's sitting in the hotel in the lobby in his underwear, stabbing himself in the lake. Holy shit, really? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of a funny story. Yeah, I would say so. I don't remember the details. I, 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 I kind of think maybe the cops were called on him, and, um, but I... But uh, hopefully not. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter now if they were, if it was just security. But um, I don't know. Like, he was uh, he was out there and um, always always a good guy. I can't think of any um, particular, you know, what did I 
I don't know if I, I don't think I ever like ate with them or if I traveled with them, there was like eight of us in a van, you know, maybe. You're right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I know I was, I can't remember somewhere outside of Philly. They had uh Shane Douglas had his ECW extreme reunion. It was called, I think extreme rising, yeah. something like that. One of those promotions. And yeah. balls was, I remember waiting in line as a fan. And, uh, balls was out there hanging out with everybody. So that was uh, yeah. Yeah. To your point, uh, he seems like a little while, a bit of a wild card. Yeah, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure, man. But yeah, uh, I think everyone that knows him, though, says, you know, he was a, he was a good dude. So yeah. um, he used to pride himself on how hard he hit with the chair. Really? So, so that tells you how different the business that we were doing was than the Nerf soft work friendly environment industry of today he literally prided himself on hitting harder than anybody else and he would wrap the chair that's what he hoped to do was the more damage that the chair was the the better um he accomplished his goals and the more the crowd would pop and, and so, you know, that's what he hoped for was just to fold it around your head smack, and then show it to the crowd and your whole head imprint is in there. And that was his thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I would know when it's coming that I was going to get my bell rung. But I, this was before we knew about concussions, long-term brain damage, stuff like that. But, man, so many times... He would crack me in the head, and I and I was just like, "Whoa! I hope I get it right in the middle, because if you get it on one of the edges, it's gonna hurt way more." You just, you know, you hope to get it in the middle. That's the best of the worst. You know what I mean? It still sucks. Yeah, right. Wham! And then, like, I'd be laying there. Sometimes, you know, the sound would be out, and and, and I just like look, in, you know, open my eyes up and look at all these people. Oh, you wouldn't hear shit? Well, yeah, yeah. Sometimes uh, it'd be like slow motion mm-hmm. for for just for a few seconds or something. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I might have a little spin. I wonder, I always wonder if it depends on, like, what part of my brain maybe was... Was connected with or bounced? What, maybe, yeah. Yeah, either it bounced off my skull or that actually felt the impact of the chair. That's something, like, I don't know if there's been a study to to test that theory, but I always wonder because of the different things. You know, sometimes I could see uh, um, maybe, like, floaters or, or, or something a little bit maybe. Uh, but anyway, I just thought that was part of the job. And as much as Balls wanted to show how hard he could hit – I got to admit, my stupid ass wanted to show how hard I could be hit. You could take it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was that's the show-off in me. You know, I wanted all the fans to know they wouldn't survive a match that they're, that they're seeing because, uh, you know, I'm there to, to exhibit toughness and uh, durability. Right, right. And that, that's that dynamic, too. Like, you know, whether it was ECW or even another, you know, promotion, it's just like you want to – you want to make sure that you're legitimate. You know what I mean? It's like, and hey, if you get hit with that, that's going to be, that's going to tell something, you know? 
I didn't even mind it though. It was just like I said, I thought it was part of the job. Part of the job, yeah, kind of the thing of that. So, yeah, the worst part would have been if I woke up and uh, didn't realize the bastard covered me and pinned me. Right. <laughs> right. I've been out out twice though, where I'm like out, just completely uh, out. Yeah, once was before the business, and uh, just once on the business that I remember. <laughs> Can't remember. No. Um, it, yeah, and I did it to myself. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Was it ECW, WWE? Was it? Was it, uh, it was. It was TNA. Yeah. Oh, was it really? Wow. I think that was the only other time. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Um. Yeah. You want to hear that story? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, I'm wrestling uh, Kenny King and. Uh, I don't know if I was leaving after this. I feel like I was. And uh went up to the top to do the uh to do the frog splash. Mm -hmm. And uh I'm up there and um just to be different, gotta test myself every once in a while. That's what I'm thinking. Uh -huh. Like how long has it been since I was on a four fifty? You know what I mean? So Instead of a frog splash, I'm just going to do a 450. Same thing. You know what I mean? Uh, whatever. He's moving. RVD. Bam. Knocked myself out. <laughs> did a one and a half. Landed on my face. And then uh, he's uh, picking me up. Uh, on his shoulder, uh -huh. and I and I've seen it on footage. It looks like I'm just way overselling, super spaghetti legged. You know, like it looks like I was just like for some reason really, really, really selling. But uh, but I wasn't in there. Yeah, I was like, um, it. it uh, yeah, it, it was like uh, I was out on my feet is, you know, the right way to put it. And then, uh, you know, just for a few seconds, whatever. But but I do remember, you know, sometimes uh, when, when someone really gets rocked, they have a hard time retaining information afterwards for a while. Yeah. I've, seen it, I've seen it many, many times. And uh, I've been there these two times, the one before the business and this one. And uh, I remember um, – uh, after the match where in the back where the, everyone is, you know, Dixie Carter was checking on me. She's like, how are you feeling? And I said, I, I feel fine. I said, uh, I, I can't remember the match though, you know, and, um, you know, but I, but I feel great though. And she says, you do know that you just told me that like a few minutes ago. Right. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? <laughs> she says, go, go see the doctor right now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will. No, now go see them right now. You know, and, and I did. Um, so that was the other one. That that was the second one. Talk about the first one another time. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, did, I did talk about it on RV Diology, though. That's on, our, I believe, loyalty. If you want to hear that story in between before I bring it up here on, right. uh, on my YouTube on the YouTubies, on the YouTubies. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah, concussions are rough times. I, ooh, I had something like that too. And yeah, you repeat yourself. You don't remember. Oh my god, 
One concussion I had real bad. But, yikes. Yeah, sometimes you just, wait, what happened again? And over yeah. and over. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. Rough times there. Rough times are off. I got to give you guys credit. Jeez. Well, turns out it's not so smart to do. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, it's time to wrap it up. It is right, RVDology time. I'm, right, I've got a good experience that I can share. It, it was a wild and very funny, also very annoying experience. But it all ties in to the subjectivity of it all. Uh, I was in Philly this past weekend, and I ended up taking the Amtrak. I took the Amtrak back, and I was hoping to find a seat just by myself. From the airport or to the airport? No, so from 30th Street Station right in Philadelphia. Wow, cool. Yeah. To uh, to Pittsburgh, and so uh, yeah, I love. I actually love taking the train. It's kind of nice. Yeah, me too. They don't have them out here. No, don't they? See, I would totally move out to Las Vegas if they had a train there. Well, they're working on it. I think Elon Musk is working on uh, on one. To mm. I don't know. He's doing some stuff underground. He's got tunnels where cars are going underground down oh, shit, around downtown man. and stuff, and that's already happening, which I wasn't aware till I. I saw it on a video, but then also they're talking about doing an L.A. Vegas train. Finally, you know what's crazy is Las Vegas was founded by being a, a train stop. No way. When, yeah, way back in 1905 when it, when it first became a city, it was just a stop between uh, Utah and, and California. And, and then now you can't even take a train in or out of town. Oh, it's weird. But the, but the old train station is a hotel. That that still is decorated like a train station and stuff. Yeah, wow. On Main Street, yeah. Damn. No, I love taking the train, and so like, I took it. I took it uh, back to Pittsburgh and um, found a seat by myself. I was like, all right, this good. Uh, A couple of girls in the back sitting there, and uh, they were really loud at first. But I I've taken plenty of trains before, so I was like, ah, I'll just settle down, fall asleep or whatever. I won't worry about it. And then. uh, so obviously going from Philly to Pittsburgh, you stop in Lancaster. So uh, Lancaster, a lot of Amish girls get on the train. And so they're talking like crazy. Like they're just excited to be on the train. But it's a amalgamation of English and like Dutch or Deutsch or whatever the, the, the German thing is with it. And so they're talking <laughs> that. And so these girls that were talking earlier on the train. Hey, watch the film. Watch, watch it. Uh... Oh, oh, sorry. I don't want. To, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to cease and desist here. Don't that, that, that's okay. You got bonus points for that good use of the word amalgamation. Go ahead. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I bought a little bit of time, but uh, so, anyways, they were getting upset at the Amish girls for talking so loud, and I'm thinking in my head, "Geez, you guys were talking loud earlier on." And then here, another a wild card comes in is this old, heavy set dude that looks like Santa Claus comes in, sits over beside me. Plenty of overhead space to put your uh, luggage and stuff like that. No, this dude decides to put all his luggage in the back of the train. All of it in the back. People are getting pissed. The girls are getting pissed because he falls into them as he's walking back there. And complete energy vampire, too. This guy's narrating everything he does, like verbatim, like, you know, writing stuff down, everything. It's awful. But it's also very funny to me because it's just like I know it's upsetting these girls. They're getting upset about the Amish girls. And I'm just trying to do work. And so I'm just thinking about like how everything is subjective. But everybody's so ensconced in their own life 
in their own element that they're being rude to one another, like by not being considerate of everybody else. Right. Like and so right. I'm just like, you know, their 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 views of everybody else going on here is subjective to what they think. And so I and I'm just like kind of thinking about this the whole time, and I'm just like, oh my God, I and I I went I rolled with it for pretty much the whole time until the end where somebody started playing music on their phone. Then I was like, it's pretty much cleared out now. I'm going to move up on the train and just get out of this whole way. Yeah. It was all subjective, man. And I was just right. thinking about that the whole time. Right. Yeah. 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 Good job. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, hopefully I, uh, hopefully I helped you out. You know, another, another good example of a subjective, uh, I always like to tap on to the end, uh, since I, since it's all true, so there's always more to the story. Um, you know what's subjective is doses, dosages, and people don't think about that with certain things. Imagine, imagine like me going into a marijuana dispensary, right? Yep. Imagine a 22-year-old kid trying to sell me a little bag of weed, like an eighth of a bud, and him saying, dude, with this stuff, all you need is like two tokes at night time and you're good. Completely suggest subjective. <laughs> Come on, man. How could that not be? How could you claim to know my biochemistry? You know, uh, why would you even claim to know? What I, how much I'm gonna need of that? That's just, but uh, that's just the way basic thinkers think. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, you know, you know, also subjective. Good parenting, you know, are you, is is he a good parent? Like people think so highly of that. Like that's that. You know, what if you know what if being a bad parent is isn't you know the worst thing on your list? You know, <laughs> what if you're like, hey, uh, I suck at being a parent. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no way I should uh, I should be having these kids. You I, know should I, mean? this, like, I should have this life. <laughs> I'm so irresponsible. Like, what am I doing? Like, they, yeah. What if, what if you feel like that? Like, if people to some people that's the worst thing in the world. They would want you to. They'd want to put you to death. You know, yeah. he's a horrible parent. Well, he said he is. You know, he said. What's you know what I mean? But for them, it's like that is just the wrong way to be. Like, like, hey, if anything, you you better be a good parent. Like, that's just that's something that's built in to us. But again, you know, when you reprogram, um, and I'm not saying that I think being a bad parent is a good thing, right? But, but I'm just saying that it's something to think about um, instead of just taking it for for granted, like a lot of people do. It is going to be, uh, it's going to be subjective. A lot of people don't want kids. Don't claim that they would be good parents, you know. You're looking at one, you yeah. know. Uh, maybe I would be a good parent. I don't know. Um, if we find out, this kid's going to hear me saying that I never <laughs> wanted a kid for a long time. But we'll roll this back later on. For I'm, sure that, <laughs> I'm sure that that that, that would uh, change. That would be, uh, you know, subjective to, to how I feel about the subject at the time, but um, but you know, I, I, I've never ever prided myself on thinking that I would be a good parent or, or whatever. It's subjective. All right. But we're moving on past subjective. That was last week. That was last week. Subjective was last week. Now you, since you, since you, since you talked so long about your 
story. Now we don't have time for. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, I, I didn't take a lot of time on this. Like right before the show, I took like five minutes, you know, and I was like, what do I want to talk about? Um, and man, there's, there's always like so many subjects. It's not like I'll run out, but sometimes I wonder if we've already talked about it. I wonder like, did we talk about this or that? So sometimes I text you and you know, um, this is what I know I haven't because I haven't even done an RVD. I haven't done one on my YouTube yet and I will, where I'll be able to expand. So I'm just going to touch upon this for a minute. Okay. I ex okay, I expect some pushback from people that don't share my philosophy here with this. That's because it's a very popular philosophy to uh, to stay ahead of everybody else, to be the first one in line, to get up early and eat the worm. I personally don't like eating worms. And uh, what I want to talk about is competition. And when is it really necessary to compete? Uh, this is my bigger picture view. You know, um, when I was a pro wrestler, like we were talking about, I guess I still am a wrestler, but I mean, when I was ECW TV champion, I was competing like a motherfucker. I was trying to do my best, um, trying to outshine myself every chance that I had every week. Um, you know, if you've heard the expression, if you're not going at it 110%, if you're not living 110%, then you're not living. That, yeah. that makes a great T-shirt, <laughs> but personally, having the bigger picture now, I, I feel like sometimes, sometimes it, it's okay to take it out of overdrive uh, and, and to chill. Um, and hopefully, I'll be able to uh, be able to explain that uh, in a way. You know, like when I was a kid in school. I was not a sporty guy, not an athlete. Uh, I don't know what I was, you know, a bit of a nerd. And the kids that were really good at sports, I hated them. I was jealous of them. Plus, they were dicks, too. Ryan Vanderwall, dick. Super dick. <laughs> Hopefully, he's grown since then. But, uh, you know, the guys that were, like, really good at basketball and stuff because I didn't feel that coordinated. I didn't feel that confident. And to tell you the truth – I'm not sure that kids should be forced to do these things. You know, why, why does every kid need to have a little piece of every part of life? I'm not sure. I'm not that kind of a teacher, but I wonder, you know, did I have to go to choir and learn don't step on my blue suede shoes and be forced to sing in front of the class? That was embarrassing as fuck. I don't want to do that now. Yeah. Did the fat kids, the clumsy kids, the uncoordinated kids, they all have to be made fun of by showing everyone that they can't play basketball or that they sweat too much or, um, or you know, what they look like naked so you can teach them how to take a shower? I don't know. Um, I think as far as schools being a, an academic uh, enterprise, it's it's there's boundaries, and I don't know exactly – What's different today than, than was back then? But as 
far as competition goes, I wouldn't say I was competitive in any of that. Uh, and because of that, it made me feel lesser, I think. Um, you know, I had to finally find my way to compete for attention, <clears throat> whether it was making people laugh, um, you know, eventually by body slamming people or walking on my hands down the hallway, doing a backflip off my school, whatever it was, <clears throat> it was still competing uh, for, for attention. Um, <clears throat> but I wouldn't describe it as, as a comfortable feeling, you know, and, and I think a lot of people subscribe to always being in that mode of, of competing. And that is a way of life. You know, I think of like the, um, the stock market guys that say, Hey, you know what? Uh, if you, if you show up to work at eight 59, you're already two minutes late, you know, and someone else already has three sales ahead of you. Boom, boom, boom. That is a way of life. It's an intense, stressful way of life. But um, for me, I'm here to tell you that if you're not comfortable with that, uh, there is something called Zen. There is something called uh, going with the flow. And, and, and I'll explain that a little bit more because that has to do with being connected to the universe. And I, I don't want to sound crazy here, but... That way of living where your values are screwed up to where you're seeing uh, dollar bills and you don't realize uh, human emotions or, or that, the, that the animals love you and you're, you're not able to feel those things because you're just living differently. I get it. You know, um, we talked about the, um, the, 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 the taco reference, didn't we? Taco reference. I'm gonna bring it up again anyway. Bring it up because yeah. I'm gonna try to make this. I'm gonna try to make this uh, kind of fast because I didn't. Like I said, I didn't take a lot of time. So, um, <clears throat> Kitty and I were part of this tour in, in Mexico. We're coming from everyone is in the water, and we're coming, and they want to take us to this awesome street taco stand where the quesadillas are the best. And we're there, and there's a pretty decent group. You know, we're all surrounded, we're all together, but the food's starting to get low while people are placing the orders, and there's still several of us that haven't eaten yet. And when they when they say the words and they say, oh, you know, we only have uh, six uh, uh, chicken left or something like that, there was this one dude um, that was uh, maybe the only other dude. You know, maybe I felt a little... Um, no, he wasn't the only other dude, but but he was like a, a um, alpha male kind of dude that you know his vibration was was a little uh, abrasive when it when it met mine a little bit. And anyway, we're we're getting short on chicken, something like that. He said, "I'm gonna get my tacos. That's all I know." And, and you know, it really made me realize like how different I am because I'm thinking. You know, I want all these ladies to get fed first. Like if someone's going to starve, if someone's going to take some pain, you know, if someone's got to push the car or something, I'm expecting that to be me. That's just my view. And right. I'm not saying, and you know, maybe he got raised in the hood where if you don't fight for your tacos, you're not going to get tacos. And he lives in that competitive world. But the, here's where, here's where it's different. Where do you draw the line? If he's, gonna eat the tacos before these ladies can have any food is he also gonna be the kind of guy that would not open the door for her or would he open the door for her and if you don't see the relevance 
you know, I'm, 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 it's, 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 it's not, it's, um, it's, it's in the mindset that I, that I'm trying to open up here on self-serving versus maybe being overly empathetic, uh, but feeling like it's the right thing to do prospectively. Uh, for me, you know, I, I do have the, the hero, pers you know, perspective, you know, if somebody, uh, if somebody came and grabbed one of the ladies' purses and started running, I would start chasing them, you know, until um, yeah. they started shooting at me. Um, I don't know. If maybe dude that is all he knows is getting his tacos, maybe he'd be like, you know, fuck that. It, it didn't get my purse. I don't know, and I don't know where, where to draw the lines. But I use that now for, for, for being self-serving. And whenever I see that in life, Katie and I both, it's an inside joke. Like, man, look at him. He's getting his tacos. Like when you see people cutting in line or whatever they're doing, and you can tell. Um, and maybe, like I said, different environments. We're raised in it. I'm not saying others are, are wrong. But for me, um, I would uh, I would trust in, <laughs> in the fact that I'm going to uh, either be all right uh, until we get more tacos or, or I'll eat something else, but that's, that's, that's my drive. And if someone's drive is to always try to, uh, to be first, that's installed in us. You always want to be the best, you know, who's the best daddy, you know, even like, you know, who's got the best school, who's got the best football team. It's like, we're always taught to be like, everything we got is the best, you know, and, and eventually, you got to figure out where do you draw the, the lines on the pride to where, you know, uh, racism is a part of it, right? Because, you know, what's the best skin color to have? You know, what do you think people think? Their own. You know, they're biased. They don't like the word racist. But I, I'm just saying, like, we're taught these things. Everything's the best or we're going for the best. You know, nobody nobody is, is taught to set out for, uh, you know, I'm going to get fourth place. Yeah. But at the same time, why do you have to be so competitive? Why can't we enjoy other people's victories and only just compete with ourselves and, and try to better ourselves in ways that we want to? Because that's more what I've learned to do. And because of that, um, I, I don't feel like as competitive. You know, the, the whole time um, I was in wrestling, you know, like all the other dudes that, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, like, man, if I have to, you know, I got to let them know. You know, if he if he if he wants to turn it up, you know, he's going to get hurt. He's going to regret it. There was always like, like that edge. And uh, now it's like, man, a lot of those dudes are good dudes, man. Good dudes, dads. They have families. And uh, here I was just looking at them as, as competitors wanting the wanting the uh, the same thing as me. And, you know, you're never going to get like the biggest house. You're never going to have the most money out of everybody that that that. <clears throat> That you could possibly know because that is like an unending game and it's good to better yourself in ways that you want to but here's where i come back to being plugged into the universe if you can stay with me this may sound a little crazy but from my perspective i wonder would it be fair to say that if you have that drive where you're always trying to get it trying to grow, trying to, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get the next score, trying to win more money, trying to get the bigger car, trying to get the bigger house. 
could that be taken as restlessness and a lack of fulfillment? Because that's how I take it from my perspective. And everything's circumstantial. But if you look at it like that, I got to tell you, fulfillment is king. And how do you find fulfillment? You find fulfillment by, one, satisfying your own goals and learning to separate those from what society has put upon you. And something else, you plug into the universe. There's a fulfillment there that people are disconnected from, and that's because they don't know there's a spiritual side to them. There's mental, there's physical, and there's spiritual too. And I can't take all the time right now to tell you how to work on your spiritual self, but I am telling you that's key. And if you look at any self-help books, uh, spiritual, uh, what was it, Celestine Prophecy included, that I recommended uh, last week, that's exactly what they'll tell you is there's a fulfillment in that uh, spiritual connection with the universe, which is with the net of energy that is over and through and part of all of us. And, and that's a real bigger picture, but that's not necessarily uh, necessary just to sleep in and not, not get up and eat the worm. But I'm just saying, if you want to take a chance and you don't, and you're feeling too much pressure about always trying to win, 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 you know what? Win in your mind. Sometimes for me, I'll just have a list of things I got to do. Oh man, you know what? I got to call my accountant. Uh, I got to watch the videotape of that scumbag that's trying to extort me. Um, I got to watch, you know, um, and uh, and I got to do this. You know what? I'll sit there and I go, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a W right now and call it my cotton. Boom. Hey, all right, cool. Boom, I got a W. Sweet. I'm feeling better already. My energy's picking up. What was the other thing I said I got to do? I got to watch this video. Boom. Boom, another W. Start stacking up them Ws and see if you don't connect to the universe. Boom. I like it, Rob. Man, you know, and especially the point of competition, like you feel like you got to be the best at everything and stuff like that. Restlessness. It's like, I think it's a big point of it. Like a big point of something is like, I can't be settled down. I can't, I have to keep going. And yeah, it's just kind of living in the moment more so of the aspect of, okay, whew, I don't have to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't got to compete with everybody. It's just like be in my own lane and get the W's that you're able to capable of getting that day. Stuff. Right on, dude. I, can't, I can't wait till next week when you tell me how this, how this uh, helped your week, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about this. This is a big one. So, you know, a lot of people live by uh, different philosophies than I do. So I won't be surprised if I get some, some, some pushback from people that, have, that, that live a different way or feel like they're forced to live in a different manner or, or, or something like that. But I, but I can tell already that, uh, that you got it. And restlessness, dude, you know, when, when you're fulfilled, it's such a peaceful, calm feeling when you're fulfilled let me tell you, it confuses everybody. Yeah. They don't get it. There's a universal restlessness, and it separates us. It separates the basic thinkers uh, from uh, people that like to use their brain, from, from spiritual people as well. And uh, you're going to be more conscious of it. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to implement it. 
shit out of the week. So nice, man. Nice. Picking up your energy and your vibration by getting W's and focusing on those and not thinking uh, bad thoughts. That's one of the key ways to start uh, plugging into the universe pretty soon. Uh, you'll know when you're plugged in. Absolutely. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm um, Yes. I was in uh, a few days ago. I was in um, Kentucky. I was at Fanboy. Pretty big con, man. Uh, um, on Saturday, there was so many people. I had to leave to go to a family wedding. Mm-hmm. When I left like at 1.30, um, three hours into it or whatever, the whole place was so packed. I couldn't imagine they could fit anybody else in. But when I went out in, 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 to meet my ride, the line went out. It split in two, and it went all the way around the building. It was crazy. Yeah. Sunday, not so much. <laughs> Big difference, but Saturday was crazy. Yeah. They said that the um, the Lord of the Rings and uh, what was the other guy? Shoot. Um, I can't remember. Lord of the Rings and, and uh, somebody else they said was the big draw. Damn. Sorry, dude. You don't Dang. need my- you don't need my help, bro. You're already. <laughs> you got. You had a line. You had a line yeah. on Saturday. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but saw anyway. you had a, a picture with the artist uh, Hal Haney. He's uh, he does a lot of pro wrestling artwork and stuff like that. The graphics he made yeah. for this video game that he's got going are incredible. Right, I know they're awesome. It looks like an action figure, like yeah. totally, like stop, like stop. Start stop animation with action figure or something, but the, the action looks better than that because not choppy, but it, it's amazing, you know. And uh, so hopefully there won't be any confusion between that and uh, Virtual Basement, which is a complete different game that everyone's been working on for a long time, where the wrestlers actually wore the sensors and uh, the motion capture device suits, and so they got he's got all of us wrestlers doing our own moves and stuff. That's that's uh, that's one game that's been on table for a long time and uh this yeah i just started talking to hell about this new one yeah it's pretty cool upw i know there's a lot of uh candidos on there uh blue mini was announced rats announced uh, it'll be interesting to see where it all develops a lot of his original artwork and original creations are on there so yeah it looks badass badass man badass. it's got some special things to it that i won't talk about yet but some really cool um additional features Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, what do you got going on uh, that you can plug or anything? Anything you want to get out there to the universe before we wrap it up here for this week? Um, it looks like I got a little bit of uh, personal time. Uh, when it, where am I? I was going to be in Detroit, but now no, I was going to be in Orlando, but now I might be Chicago. That's uh, is that July 25th. I don't know. I just today I just got booked at um, Tulsa, Oklahoma Con, Con, and that's August fifth and sixth. Got a couple other bookings I can't talk about yet, um, and a uh, deposition date that's really taking a lot of my uh, <clears throat> mind space. I can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. It's been a long time coming. Hell yeah, man. Take way those little W's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's still like three weeks. Well, at least, I don't know. It keeps changing and stuff. So I'll still see you a few times before I before I get to do that and get the truth out there and get this gnat off my notes. That'll be nice, man. 
Dusted off your dusted off your agenda there. So sweet. Cool. Well guys oh, also yeah. Saturday Saturday I'm doing stand up. I keep forgetting but yeah. I'm doing stand up. Wise uh, guys, right? Boom. Boom. Wise guys. If you're in Wise Vegas, guys. look it up. Um, yeah, it's down here then yeah, it's downtown, like by the arts art district. Uh Saturday. I'll post some posters. Is anybody uh, else on the show with you? Or is, is it uh, yeah, no, there is there is uh, some of the guys. Tim Chismar, um, what's the big Alec? Uh, what's his last son? There's a really really big heavy set dude that's like does all the comedy shows here in Vegas. And he's gonna watch this and say, "Well, thanks for the plug. You don't know my name, but Alex something." <laughs> yeah, Alex, right? There we go. <laughs> Dust Wonder Kid's gonna be there, guys. Yeah. Get ready for it. <laughs> okay, guys. So yeah, uh, if you want more content, obviously go to the Premier Streaming Network if you want to get this video early, full video early, every Friday at 4.20 p.m. But it's it's uh Oh, my God. Alex Kool-Aid Ansel. That's right, Ansel. Oh, That's, he's a, yeah, he's, yeah. Can you see the poster? Probably not. I don't, oh, wait, I can it? see. I see you. Yeah. The, I'm, the one, I'm the one in the corner down there. Right, so. Yeah. All right. So this is happening on Saturday. Yeah. I'll start. I'll write a, uh, a set probably Saturday afternoon. Hopefully, I'll start thinking about it Friday. Um, that's how I do, yo. That's how you roll. That's how you All do. Right. Sweet. Gotta get prepared. Where, 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 where? Oh, <laughs> well, I got text, man. Don't y'all know I'm doing a podcast? Blowing on up. You're blowing up, bull. Well, guys, yeah, if you want to check out some clips, go to rvdpod.com. We got all a whole bunch of clips from previous episodes coming on. And then uh, you might have a little bit more coming up here. Well, I'll wait to, to get the official word on that. But follow Rob at The Real RVD, both on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like, at Dominic D'Angelo. And, uh, hey, I'm on threads too, but I won't plug that in. We'll, we'll see if that picks up. <laughs> hit, hit like subscribe do comments fight yes. with each other argue with each other yes give us That's... all give us any kind of feedback rip on me all you want i don't care i'm, I'm fine with it. funny when they start arguing with each other and you know like someone get offended like so quickly right and just that i never said that you know why did you say you said that I, you know it's just whoa 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 Pump the brakes here, guys. This is the internet. You're both pretty. Right. You're both pretty. Girls, girls, you're both pretty. I love that line. Yeah, right. All right, guys. Hey, we'll see you yeah, next week here. Good yep. chat again, brother. Yes. Absolutely. Appreciate you too, Rob. We'll see Bless you guys so. next week YouTube, here on YouTube. Christopher Christoph. I was wasting my time, I got myself about